Good morning, church. Oh, morning, church. Goodness, that worship. How can you not be loud after that? The um, reading that was just beautifully read this morning talks of um, two sets of brothers being called to follow Jesus. They leave their home, their careers, their community, their family for a cause they're not quite sure about. Not sure actually where they're going or what they're supposed to do and really not knowing whether they'll come back or not. In the first half of the last century, that calling was a real familiar sight in towns and villages across the UK as people agreed to serve in the two world wars, mostly young men. They also didn't know if they were going to come back or what they were getting into, really. A bit of history or context, I'm sure you know it. Remembrance Sunday, which is what we're celebrating today, not only in the UK, but all around the world in the Commonwealth, is a day to commemorate the contributions of the British and Commonwealth military and civilian service personnel in two world wars and later conflicts. Tragically, there's only been one year since 1945 that a British service person has not been killed on operations around the world. That year was 1969. Since 1969, the British Army have been deployed in Northern Ireland, the Falklands, the Balkans, Croatia, Macedonia, Albania, Kosovo, Sierra Leone, Cyprus, East Timor, Afghanistan, Iraq, and a whole lot more. We seem to be at war such a lot of the time. The Oxford Dictionary's definition of war is this. War is a state of armed conflict between societies. It is generally characterized by extreme aggression, destruction, mortality, using regular or irregular military forces. Some scholars even see war as a universal ancestral aspect of human nature. And really what that means is, it's just what we do. We fight each other and we're prone to kill each other. The reason we need to remember war, this is what we're doing today, is to try and prevent it. That's the main thing. Prevent it from happening now and in the future. So how did the two world wars begin? I'm sure you know, but I found it really interesting. In 1914, a group of young idealists from a terrorist group called the Black Hand Brigade didn't like the political status that was going on. So they decided to try and change things in their own way. Their own way was acts of violence. So they persuaded a young idealist called Gabriel Princep to get involved. There's a picture of him coming up. He was told to assassinate the Austrian Archduke Franz Ferdinand in Sarajevo on June 28th, 1914. Uh, Gabriel Princep's the one in the middle on the front row, and that's the whole group of the terrorist organization that were actually caught after they successfully killed the Archduke and his wife. That single act of violence by one individual started a chain reaction which was the beginning of the First World War, less than four weeks after that court case. That war lasted four years, 
and caused the death of over six million people. One man. In 1939, another idealist wanted to change the world according to him. So he invaded Poland. His name, Adolf Hitler. His actions and aggression and controlling manner triggered the start of the Second World War when he invaded Poland in 1939. And that didn't end until 1945. During those five years of conflict, 61 countries were affected. It involved 1.7 billion people. At the time, that was three quarters of the world's population were involved in that war. With almost 50 million people dying and hundreds of millions of people injured. Lives lost, forgotten, gone, forever. Generations wiped out. So it would seem that idealistic dreams of controlling other people, if not checked, are what starts wars. Over 2,000 years ago now, Jesus came to change that, change the world. Not to control it, but to free it. The kingdom of God is near. He came to change it in words and actions, especially towards the marginalized, bringing love and healing and peace, not guns and not war. Jesus said many things about replacing fighting with peace and love. Like in Luke 6, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Matthew 5, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Interesting, he just didn't mean then our friends or those who are like us or our family or the nice people that we have around us. He's saying do unto all people as you would have done unto yourself. That's the challenging bit because that includes people who are very different than us. That includes people that mock us. That includes people that hate us. That includes people who don't live by our standards that we might collectively have in here. And it also means those who don't share the same values as us, especially when it comes to democracy and freedom. We're meant to love them as well. So three thoughts for you to ponder on Remembrance Sunday. Uh, and I've made it easy for you to remember because they spell out the word war. So the first one is W. The W is for a willingness. In the gospel reading that we had read out, if you remember verse 15, it says, the time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And the truth of the gospel is that we must place our trust in God, not in man or idealists and the first two commandments tell us what we should do really love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor tricky bit as yourself they're the essential truths the foundations really of the gospel and that should bring about in us a willingness to treat others as we would want to be treated to have a, a willingness to forgive and a willingness to work tirelessly towards peace in any situation, in a war zone, in, in the government, in your back kitchen, in your front room, in your office, to work tirelessly towards peace. And that peace might involve forgiving a nation for what they've done. Or it might involve forgiving a friend or a family member 
of how they've hurt you painfully. And reconciliation between nations and individuals. It's got to be paramount if we're going to coexist on this planet that God has given us. The picture of the two men that will come up, the, the short man is, is called Mikio. When the photograph was taken, he was 94. He was once a Japanese engineer during the Second World War. And he was in charge with the Japanese of putting this railway together, which was called the Death Railway, where so many people died. And the tall man on the other side of him is called Harold. And he was 96 when the picture was taken. He was a British soldier that was forced to labor on that death railway at the time they were there together. And as you can see there, they're clasping each other's hands really tightly. As they met in reconciliation 70 years after the event when they were on opposite sides together. And the two men hoped that that meeting would encourage um, an understanding between those who were affected on that death railway, which were hundreds, thousands. And hopefully they hoped that it would foster remembrance of the suffering that those who worked and died building that railway line. Harold, the British soldier, said this, it's wrong to judge people for the group they happen to belong to rather than their character. We should always remember that wars are not made by soldiers, they're made by governments. And in Romans, Jesus again reminds us, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. A willingness to do that. And if we can create in ourselves a willing heart that really cares about what happens in other people's lives who are not like us, who hate us and mock us, we have to pray for them. If we can do that, then we can start to be motivated by God and start helping people practically, physically, and spiritually. Second letter is A, for attitude. Jesus showed us his attitude through the Gospels by living and dying, and especially his sacrifice on the cross that we might be here gathered with freedom of speech, for me to be able to talk here on Remembrance of Sunday. And in the book of John, he says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Abel Seaman Kate Nesbitt was 21 when this picture was taken. She was the first Royal Navy female to be awarded the military cross, one of the highest honors in the, in the military for, for bravery. She received hers for bravery in Afghanistan. She went to the assistance of a soldier, soldier who had been shot in the neck by the Taliban. Now her troop were behind her, protecting, but not going forward, and she just took off and went forward into the battle lines and helped the man and saved his life. At the same time that she saved his life by addressing the wound and giving him medical assistance, she was under direct fire from the Taliban. And the description is bullets were going all the way around, the missiles were firing off, and she went out. A military spokesman said about Kate, had she not done what she did, that soldier most definitely would have died. Fortunately, she survived, but many didn't. They pay the highest price, their own life, for laying it down for someone else. That's what we're doing today. Third and uh, final uh, letter is R for remember. The Bible helps us to link remembering and thanksgiving together. 
especially through the communion service, which you've all been through probably. And you'll remember some of those words in, when you're taking communion that are said, eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, that he laid down his life for you. And if we can acknowledge and, and share with those who have suffered and died, again, as we do today, it will help us in coping with our own grief and our own sense of loss when it comes. And the scriptures say that it will surely come. Maybe not in a war zone, please Lord, but maybe in some other way. Maybe through illness, through, through financial difficulty, through, through family disorder, through divorce or through employment, or even through the loss of a, of a friend or a family member. But it will surely come. So remembering the past is, is not just about recalling and reflecting on past events, which I've just done with you. It's not also about recounting all the facts and figures that I've, I've thrown at you. It's, it's more than that. It's about remembering and carrying those events and the lessons that we learned into our present now, but also into our future, so we don't make those stupid mistakes again and again and again. That's why Remembrance Sunday is so important. During my 17 years in, in the military, I've, I've been involved in two tours in Northern Ireland, the Falklands campaign, a few of the skirmishes, and I'm familiar with war, not only in a military context, also in my upbringing with my parents. That was a war zone as well. So I'm familiar with those, and I'm also familiar how it affects individuals in so many different ways. Today, we remember those who were killed in, in the wars, but also, also today is about remembering those who are still alive, the casualties of war, those suffering with physical and mental injuries, particularly those suffering with PTSD, which sadly is on the rise, post-traumatic stress disorder. Those people often end up as outcasts because they can't cope. They often end up homeless in our shelters. They often end up in prison, going on an Alpha for Prisons course. And often, sadly, they take their own lives because they can't cope with the trauma and the stress and the, the imagery that's in there, the horrors of war. And a shocking fact about the, the Falklands War, which is 30 years on now, is more veterans have taken their own lives since that South Atlantic conflict ended than the number of servicemen killed in the actual conflict. A military charity that Alpha the Forces works with has warned that as many as 75,000 British service personnel have been left wounded, sick, or psychologically harmed following the UK's wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. Just 75,000. So what are we left with? It sounds rather depressing, but it isn't. Because the kingdom of God is near, we are told. Repent and believe. Sometimes we struggle, I don't know about you, but I do with the scripture in Romans that says that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. What does that mean today on Remembrance Sunday? So let me tell you about how that can play itself out in the life of one individual soldier. At the age of 32, after seven years' service in the army and one tour of Afghanistan already behind him, a British soldier was driving through Herman province in Afghanistan 
when his Land Rover hit a, uh, a roadside bomb. The explosion was so powerful, it lifted the vehicle up and threw it 30 meters to one side and throwing the people inside it. The young soldier was thrown outside of the vehicle and was so badly damaged that he lost his left, meat, left leg immediately above the knee. His right leg was so badly damaged that it had to be taken off there and then. As he lay dazed on the roadside, he heard more explosions, more cries and screams from his comrades in the other vehicles. Then in silence, he described how he felt as he lay there, bleeding to death with the sun shining on his face. As he lay there, he prayed this, Lord, whatever happens, I thank you for my life. But if you have a role for me in the future to be an inspiration for others, then let me live. He was rushed back to Camp Bastion. He was declared dead. He was put inside a body bag. He was stacked with the other military personnel that were died. When a young doctor decided he'd just go and have one more check of this young soldier he'd just dealt with, and he opened the body bag, he put his hand in, he put his fingers on his neck, and he felt a small pulse. In 2012, picture will come up of Derek. Derek entered the Olympic Stadium to represent Britain in the discus at the Paralympics. Derek said in an interview, I am no hero, and I'm certainly no Superman. There have been some very low points since that accident in my life. But I am determined to inspire others from what I've been through. And Derek has gone up to set a school to help disadvantaged and disabled kids get involved in sport when they've never had the opportunity. Unlike Derek, we may not be in a war zone at the moment, and I pray we're not. It may feel like it. But like Derek, we can be assured that God has a purpose for our lives. You are uniquely made. The scriptures are all over it. There is no one like you. There isn't anyone been like you before, and there never will be anyone like you. Apart from DNA, you are unique. And God has a purpose for you. You are hope carriers. You change despair into hope by acts of kindness. We have this ability within us to care for our neighbor. That's what so many of you are doing. For those suffering with PTSD, maybe. Those caught in addiction, those in, in prison, the marginalized, the prostitute, the homeless, the elderly, the sick, those dealing with mental illness, those on our streets, just outside these doors. And in that way, we see the kingdom of God coming in our land. But only if we have, in my opinion, those three things. We have a, a willingness to help those less fortunate than ourselves. And helping others is sacrificial. It's costly. And we also have an attitude to be sacrificial. And that we remember that those who died and those who are living with the trauma of war, again, that's what today is about. If you didn't know what Remembrance Sunday is about, that's what it's about. Then those words, if we do those three things, then that word war can mean something different. And if we begin to see how human suffering is interpreted and given meaning by the passion and resurrection of Christ who came to bring forgiveness and peace, then we can begin to glimpse that hope that we can receive when we're in despair, hope out of 
despair. And that's a hope that does not disappoint. Romans 5, it says, because that hope is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, and it is a hope that does not disappoint and can change people's lives. That's what today's really about, remembering the men and women who died for the chance of peace, and especially for a chance to have hope in the future. Just to finish with, I don't know if you saw on, uh, on Breakfast Time TV a guy called Harry, Harry Billinge. He was 18 years of age on D-Day and survived when over 21,000 men died that day. He was recently on Breakfast TV, age 95. It's an amazing little interview. He was asked what advice he would give to young people. He said a lot of things, but he said this. I hope they will learn to love one another. There is a lot of hate in the world and a lot of greed and a lot of nonsense. Don't worry about all that stuff, he said. We've been stupid. We think we're so clever that we can blow one another up. But we don't know how to love one another. And that is the strongest thing on this earth. Goes on to finish with, love is stronger than death. And our Lord Jesus said, he is coming back and he will return. And until then, we are the hope carriers of a nation to have a willingness to have an attitude and to remember what's gone on and what people did for us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you that uh, all over our nation and around the world, people are commemorating and saying thank you in their own way. I pray, Lord, that you would help us as we remember those who have gone before us, those that are with us, and that we might, as hope carriers, change that nation. Lord, as we go out of here, I pray that you always get us ready to share the hope that we carry in our hearts. I pray, Lord, that you would give us conversations to talk to people about the hope that we have in our hearts and how that can change an individual, a city, a county, and a world. In Jesus Christ's name we ask. Amen.